0: Hello and welcome to episode 287 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Today's story comes from Wakefield in Yorkshire, not far from the centre of world football, Leeds. It's a story of love, control and the most unimaginable violence and heartbreak. But before we get to the story, as always, a huge thank you to all my supporters at Patreon especially the new members of our community. Thank you all so much for joining us. And congratulations to Helen, who has won the latest competition for supporters on Patreon, which is two backstage tickets my live show in Glasgow on 30th of June with Mike from the Murder Mile podcast and Paul from the True Crime Enthusiast podcast. I look forward to seeing you there, Helen. And if you haven't got your ticket yet for this show, you can find details on all my social and media channels. This podcast is sponsored by Ritual. We deserve to know what we're putting in our bodies and why, especially when it comes to something we take every day. I think we can all agree on that. And Ritual's clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin is formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms your body can actually use. I've been taking Ritual Men's 18 Plus Essential for the last couple of months now, and I feel great. No colds or other illnesses in that time. But for me, this is all about what's happening inside, as it's helping me keep healthy for the long term. Right? I'm not so good at taking any tablets normally, but these have a touch of mint, which means taking them is a pleasurable experience. A multivitamin should contain key nutrients in forms your body can actually use to help fill gaps in the diet. No shady extras. Ritual's delayed release capsule design delivers high-quality nutrients, including vitamin D3, in just two daily pills. And with Ritual, it's no hassle, as your multivitamins are delivered to your door every month with free shipping. Always. You can start, snooze or cancel your subscription at any time And if you don't love Ritual within your first month, they'll refund your order. You really can't go wrong. Get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering you, my listeners, 10% off during your first three months. Just visit ritual.com slash true crime to start your ritual today. That's ritual.com slash true crime to start your ritual today. Okay, so let's set some context for today's story with our guest the month and year game. Top of the UK music charts was someone that I used to know from Someone I Can't Pronounce, no change there then, featuring Kimbra. In the US it was Kelly Clarkson with Stranger and in Australia, top of the album charts was Adele with 21. In the news this month, 9,000 residents were evacuated from Wagga Wagga, Australia as the Murrumbidgee River threatened to overflow. Tropical storm Irina killed 65 people in Madagascar. The Hunger Games starring Jennifer Lawrence premiered in Los Angeles. And this was the month when Bolton Wanderers footballer Fabrice Mwamba collapsed and was rushed to hospital during a live game against Tottenham. Respect party candidate George Galloway won the Bradford West by-election. Taking the seat from the Labour Party with a majority of 10,000 votes. And in the wake of the latest cash for access scandal, Prime Minister Call Me Dave published details of Tory Party donors who had enjoyed dinner with him at 10 Downing Street. I think I would happily pay not to have dinner with a sitting Prime Minister from any party, wouldn't you? And finally, this month saw the death of Darts legend. Anker called his finest, Jockey Wilson. Not a sportsman for modern times, but for people of my generation who grew up watching him, he was an absolute legend. And also firmly legendary is when Dexie's Midnight Runners performed their hit single, Jackie Wilson said on Top of the Pops in 1982 and used an image of Jockey as a comic tribute. YouTube it. It makes me giggle. Every time. Okay, so did you guess the month and year? It was March 2012. Today's story comes from the city of Wakefield, which has a population of around 100,000 and is about 185 miles northwest of London. It was hit hard by the closure of the coal mines and other manufacturing industries at the end of the last century. Wakefield is probably best known to us true crime fans as the home of the Category A prison there, named the Monster Mansion, due to the large number of high-profile, high-risk sex offenders and murderers that are held within their walls. Current inmates include Jeremy Bamber, Ian Watkins, Robert Maudsley and Sydney Cook. Okay, so let's get on to today's story. Sisters Kimberly and Elisa Frank were born in Wakefield. Their childhood was a difficult one, with Elisa later talking to the Mirror newspaper about how close the two were when they were younger, saying Kim was all I had. Dad left when I was a baby and we were taken into care when I was 14 and she was 13 because mum couldn't cope. We used to sing the calling song wherever you would go every night and say it was about us. No matter what happened, we would be there for each other. But when she was 15, Elisa stayed at the children's home in Wakefield, whilst her sister Kim was fostered by a family in Wales. It was in the children's home in Wakefield that Elisa met Ahmad Otak. Originally from Afghanistan, he arrived in the UK in 2007, and after being rejected asylum status, he was granted humanitarian protection to stay in Britain until November 2013. Ahmed boasted to Elisa that he'd lied to the authorities about his age. As being an unsuccessful asylum seeker, he knew that the younger he was believed to be, the more favourable his treatment was likely to be too. But he was around the same age as Elisa. Missing her family and especially her sister, Elisa spent more and more time with Ahmed, who listened and seemed to understand how she was feeling. After all, he too had experienced an incredibly difficult childhood, telling Elisa that both his parents had died and he'd seen many murders back in Afghanistan. The pair grew closer and closer and soon they became a couple. When Elisa left care at 17, she and Ahmed moved in together in a flat in Wakefield. But very soon the relationship began to deteriorate due to Ahmed's controlling and increasingly violent behaviour. He started making up weird rules, said Lisa. One day he told me I wasn't allowed to talk to men anymore. I wasn't allowed to drink either because it wasn't allowed in his culture. Then he stopped me from seeing certain girls that he said were a bad influence. One of those was her own sister Kimberly, who he said was dirty, as she had had more than one boyfriend. He also didn't approve of Elisa's best pal Samantha Sykes who was just on the cusp of a career as a model. Ahmed disapproved of this, as he felt that flaunting her good looks made her cheap and dirty. And if Elisa protested about how he spoke about her friends, he would hit her. And it wasn't just her friends. If they were just watching TV, just soaps, for example, this could set him off, as he so strongly disagreed with the way that the women on the screen Behaved, and this too would lead to further violence. Elisa was in a terrible situation, and she couldn't see her way out. As we've heard so often on this podcast, this led him to become even more extreme, and Ahmed didn't allow Elisa to reveal any flesh at all when they were out, and he also forced her to walk a few steps behind him. Poor Elisa felt trapped and so hopeless in the situation. But then there was a terrifying incident in September 2011 that led Elisa to realise that she had to leave. She said, Ahmed held a kitchen knife to my throat while he forced me down on the bed to have sex with him. I tried to scream, but he took a needle and thread out and told me if I made another noise, he would stitch my mouth up. I was terrified that one day he was going to kill me and I knew that I had to go. Her sister Kimberly had just moved back to Wakefield and Elisa moved back in with her the very next day. She also spent time again with her good friend Samantha, but Ahmed didn't take this well, not very well at all. In fact, he made wild threats, saying that he would throw acid in her face and also petrol bomb her mum's house and kill her sisters Kimberly and Faye and her best friend Samantha and Elisa didn't doubt for a moment that he meant it, as he regularly carried a knife. He even told Elisa that by staying with him, she would be saving lives. The pressure ramped up, and after a week Elisa returned back to Ahmed, feeling she had no choice but to do so. She understandably remained scared for her own safety, and had a code with her sister Kimberly, which they agreed she would use if she felt it was an emergency. Her friend Samantha urged her to report Ahmed to the authorities, but Elisa was understandably too scared to do this. Samantha certainly wasn't, and reported him to both the UK Border Agency and the police. But unfortunately, nothing came of these reports. But if we fast forward to February 2012, nothing had changed and Elisa was still living a nightmare at the hands of Ahmed, and she left him again, moving out of the flat that they shared, and telling Ahmed that this time their relationship was over. Although Ahmed continued to stalk her early in March, he seemed to take the news a little better this time, and didn't react with the violence that Elisa had naturally feared. On the 9th of March, Ahmed met Elisa and her sister Kimberly in Wakefield, and Elisa asked him to bring her possessions from the flat where they had been living to Kimberley's house. But unbeknown to Elisa, this prompted Ahmed to immediately head to a hardware store where he bought a stainless steel carving knife for £8. He called Elisa and asked her again if they could make another go of their relationship, but when she again said no, he made his way to Kimberley's house in possession of the new knife. Elisa takes up the story of what happened next. When he arrived, he seemed calm, but as Kim went to show him out, he suddenly turned on her, and she fell against me. At first I thought he'd punched her, but when he pulled his arm back, he had a knife in his hand. There was blood splattered all up the wall and Kim was screaming. I was frozen in fear, as he dragged her into the living room and stabbed her in the stomach and chest, again and again. Then he plunged a knife into her neck and she fell to the floor. I could hear Kim gurgling and gasping for breath. Then the gurgling stopped and I realised it was too late. He stood over her body, smirking, and licked her blood from the knife like an animal. Then he spat on her body. I was certain that I was next. Kimberly Frank had been stabbed 15 times. She suffered internal and fatal wounds to her lung, her heart, spleen, liver, and kidney. There was a major stab wound to her neck, which severed her jugular vessels and left carotid artery. This was such a ferocious attack that this one wound was carried out with such force that it damaged Kimberly's spine. Kimberly Frank was just 17 when she was murdered. Having made Elisa watch her sister being killed, Ahmed then made her sit down and told her that if she had gone back to him, he would not have killed her sister. Elisa was terrified as Ahmed stood over Kimberly's body and laughed, continuing to lick blood from the knife and spitting it on her body. But Ahmed wasn't finished. He forced Elisa to text her friend Samantha Sykes and ask her to come to Kimberly's flat. Scared for her life and in no doubt that Ahmed would kill her if she did not do as he said, Elisa texted Sam to come over. Ahmed bound Elisa by the arms and legs so she could not move. Elisa describes what happened next. I was shaking with fear and praying she'd tell from my voice that something was wrong and raise the alarm. But ten minutes later there was a knock at the door. Ahmed went to meet her. I'll never forget the sound of her screams as he plunged a knife into her. She called my name but I couldn't get to her. Then he dragged her bleeding body into the living room and dumped her at my feet next to Kim. Her throat was slit and as I heard those gurgling noises again, I knew that she was dying too. I had nothing left to live for. I just wanted him to kill me too. Samantha Sykes was stabbed 32 times in a frenzied attack. Two wounds to the chest penetrated her lung, heart, liver and spleen. And again the sheer force used meant that a rib was split. Her neck was cut, severing the jugular vessels and carotid artery. Like Kimberley, Samantha Sykes fought hard for her life and sustained a number of defensive wounds to her arms and legs. Samantha Sykes was just 18 when she was murdered. Elisa was then untied and taken to her car, where Ahmed told her he was going to return with her to Afghanistan to show her how women should behave. After the long drive to Dover, he ditched the car and broke into a lorry to make the trip across the channel to France. In the lorry was an illegal immigrant from Iran, Baram Barami who was also planning to head to France. But Barham could see the terrible state Elisa was in, and when they had a moment to speak freely in the back of the lorry, Elisa told him she was being abducted, and that Ahmed would kill her if he saw her talking to him. Bravely, Barham knew he would need to change his own plans, and do all he could to save Elisa. He told Ahmed that the lorry was not going to France after all, it had been a mistake. And when Elisa and Ahmed got out of the lorry, he grabbed Ahmed's knife, providing Elisa with the chance to literally run for her life, which she did, and made it to the safety of nearby houses where residents called the police. Barham snapped Ahmed's knife and ran to another house for his own safety. The police arrived. Ahmed was arrested but he denied involvement in the murders during his interviews, claiming that Elisa had helped him kill the two women and she was arrested. It took three days for her to be released. And finally, this part of her ordeal was over and Ahmed was charged with the murders of Kimberley and Samantha. He pleaded guilty at court, at least saving the families the torment of sitting through the terrible evidence. Ahmed was sentenced to life in prison, with a minimum time behind bars of 34 years, meaning he won't be considered for parole until at least 2046. But we really have no interest on dwelling on Ahmed. Another man, 57-year-old Stephen Harrott of Wakefield, also faced court accused of assisting an offender by giving Ahmed food, money, clothing and a satnav after the murders. He denied the charge but was later found guilty and sentenced to two and a half years in prison. I also don't want to linger on the inevitable case review that was carried out after the murders. Suffice to say, it found that agencies missed opportunities to protect Kimberley. The review also found chances were missed to assess the risks posed by her killer and identified learning for agencies in certain areas including the need to work in partnership to identify risk and to safeguard and protect teenagers, domestic abuse within teenage relationships, and identifying and reducing the risk of sexual exploitation. It also highlighted that improvements had been made to the provision of mental health services, the allocation of independent accommodation, and a child exploitation strategy and action plan had been drawn up. We haven't spoken too much about Samantha Sykes. But at just 18, she'd already made a huge impact with her life. Samantha's mum, Judy, later described her daughter as like a beautiful flower. People were drawn to her in the same way a butterfly would be drawn to the light. She was described by some as a collector of people. She helped many young people including those who looked after children and care leavers. The young person who was murdered along with Samantha was a victim of child sexual exploitation. Samantha tried to support her to get the right help. She was courageous and compassionate. She hated injustice of any kind and was never afraid to challenge this. To carry on Samantha's legacy, our family established the Samantha Sykes Foundation Trust, a charity which supports looked after children and care leavers to access further and higher education and supports victims of child sexual exploitation to access therapeutic interventions to help rebuild their often broken lives. I will leave a link to this trust on all my social channels so if you can support their work in any way with a donation Please do so. And what of Elisa? Speaking to the Mirror newspaper in 2013, she said, Not a single day passes when I don't think about Kim and Sammy. What I've had since then isn't a life. I can't go out on my own because I'm terrified all the time. I dream about them every night and have flashbacks in the day. I will never be rid of the image of them both lying there covered in blood gasping for their last breaths. Every day, I wish he had taken my life instead of theirs, and I'll never forgive myself for bringing him into their lives. The only thing that stops me from killing myself now is that I can't allow him to get three out of three. And in late 2012, Elisa took a mix of drugs, which led to her being sectioned for two months under the Mental Health Act, she said. I don't know if I'll ever feel normal again, For a long time all I could think about was how to end my life but now I'm trying to keep going for Kim and Sammy. I wish I could go back in time and kill that man. Instead, I have to try and make my life count. So what do you make of what we've heard today? It's just the most devastating story, isn't it? And shockingly, Kimberly and Samantha were among 1,425 women and girls aged between 14 and 100 who were killed by men in Britain over a 10-year period, 2009 to 2018. That is one every three days, a stat that, frustratingly, has remained unchanged for way too long. Today, our parting thoughts are with Kimberly, Samantha, Elisa and their friends and families. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. To discuss this story or any other aspect of UK True Crime, please head to the Facebook group where almost 80,000 of us talk true crime 24-7. Just head to Facebook and search UK True Crime. And to support the show, please join my community at Patreon. It's the place to be for bonus episodes and other exclusive content, including the chance to bag a free signed copy of my book about serial killer Angus Sinclair if you join on an annual package from as little as just £17 a year. Just head along to patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime and also, if you haven't got it yet, do get your ticket for CrimeCon in London next month or Glasgow in June. If you use the code UKTC, you can get a discount on both shows. So that's all for me for another week. So please join me again on Tuesday for another story from the UK's 37th most popular UK true crime podcaster. So until next week, despite all the others, please do stay classy. Cheerio for now.